0: 5,582,322. These figures become doubly baffling when a further analysis reveals only 46,214 of these masters owned 50 or more slaves, entitling them to the aristocratic-sounding term planter. Why did the vast majority of the white population unite behind these slaveholders in this fratricidal war? Why did they sacrifice over 300,000 of their sons to preserve an institution in which they apparently had no personal stake? I have devoted much of my literary life to writing about the American Revolution. My exploration of our founding years convinced me of the originality and importance of the heritage created by the men and women who won an eight-year struggle against the most powerful nation in the world and created the modern era's first republic. Ironically, this conviction made me even more baffled by the Civil War's eruption little more than a half-century after George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and their compatriots turned the leadership of the new nation over to the next generation. I never thought I would do more than muse about the Civil War until my good friend, Byron Hollinshead, director of American Historical Publications and former publisher of two distinguished history magazines— asked me to contribute a book entitled, I Wish I'd Been There. A gallery of well-known historians was asked to insert themselves into famous events of the past and describe them as if they were on the scene. I became a spectator, actor, in John Brown's 1859 raid on Harper's Ferry. I was mesmerized not only by the chief protagonist, but by the reactions of prominent contemporaries— ranging from Robert E. Lee to Abraham Lincoln to Ralph Waldo Emerson. Especially fascinating was the statement of the President of the United States in 1859, James Buchanan. Brown's reckless venture was caused, Buchanan said, by an incurable disease in the public mind. In his final message to Congress in 1860, as Southern states seceded and Civil War loomed, he repeated the assertion. Buchanan's frequently hostile biographers have all dismissed or ignored these words. They caught my attention because in two of my previous books I have explored how illusions play a role in history. Was the president talking about this sort of distortion? Few presidents have lower ratings than Mr. Buchanan and the polls historians take to rank the nation's chief executives as great, near great, mediocre, or failures. On the other hand, not many presidents had more experience in national politics than Old Buck. He spent almost forty years as a congressman and senator, plus terms as Secretary of State and Ambassador to Great Britain, before winning the White House. I soon discovered that President Buchanan did not originate the phrase public mind. Thomas Jefferson frequently used the term to describe various aspects of the politics of his era. Writing to George Washington in 1792, about the angry disagreements stirred by the new federal government's financial policy, Jefferson warned, The public mind is no longer confident and serene. Abraham Lincoln was another man who frequently invoked the phrase. In 1861, he accused the South of debauching the public mind about the right to secede. A century later, Democratic presidential candidate Adlai Stevenson declared, Those who corrupt the public mind are just as evil as those who steal from the public purse. The public mind is ultimately linked with public opinion, which one early nineteenth-century commentator called that inexorable judge of men and manners in a republic. But the public mind suggests something less fluctuating than opinion, and more complex than an illusion, which can be swiftly dispelled by events. The phrase implies fixed beliefs that are fundamental to the way people participate in the world of their time. A disease in the public mind would seem to be a twisted interpretation of political or economic or spiritual realities that seizes control of thousands and even millions of minds. Americans first experienced one of these episodes in 1692 when the leaders of the Massachusetts Bay Colony became convinced that witches were threatening their society with evil powers. Over 200 people were arrested and flung into fetid jails.